I am back. That's right. It's Sal, and I am back like Baby Got. I am back like The Empire Strikes. I am back like Marty McFly to the future. I am back. And I am here to present you something different. You know, I couldn't leave you little monkeys alone. So I decided to uh, put together a little something for Around Comics. Uh, This is going to be called Around Comics Presents, and it's basically me talking about one individual book, most likely a graphic novel, but it could be a trade paperback. It probably won't be a single issue, but you never know. I've been known to change my mind before. Um, And I'm going to hopefully talk to a creator of that graphic novel or trade, or one of the creators on it, if it was a collaborative effort um and that's pretty much what it's going to be i don't know how often this will happen i don't know uh how many times uh in a month that it will get produced but i'm going to try and do them uh as regular as possible i'm going to try and and find uh interesting books to uh read and interesting creators to talk to about those books and then do it so that's it that's what around comics presents is our first one today is uh matt kent's new book Restory, The Secret History of the Giant Man. It is a uh, about 200-page graphic novel that Matt created, and it's the story of a man that's born with a condition that uh, makes him grow larger than anyone else, uh, and he continues to grow. And, and the story is basically told from the perspective of three different people in his life. Uh, it starts off with his mother um, and her issues dealing with this son that just continues to grow. Uh, then it goes on to his wife uh, and how their relationship is affected by his uh, his problems and his celebrity. And then it finishes up with his daughter and, and her trying to understand who her father is. It's a terrific little book published by Dark Horse Comics. It retails for $19.95. It's a hardcover, about 200 pages long. So if you haven't already, go check it out and read it. It's good stuff. But Now, without further ado, Around Comics presents Three Story, The Secret History of the Giant Man with Matt Kent. First off, where did the idea for the book come from? What was sort of the... the the germ of inspiration for you for this particular story? Yeah, well, I'll say um, a couple of years ago I met uh, like a second or third cousin of mine who was just this really big guy, had big hands, and um, just really big. Uh, and uh, I got to talking to him, and um, he had had this tumor on his pituitary gland that when he was a, a teenager just kept made him grow and grow and grow. And they, uh, did all the CAT scans and stuff, and they found the tumor, and they cut it out, and, he, and then he was growing normally after that. But but they said if they hadn't found the tumor and cut it out, he would have kept growing, you know, until he died. Wow. And uh, So I, I was like, wow, that's really, really crazy that that, you know, could happen. And, and then you see the, see him, and, his, you know, he's just got these giant hands, and he just looked kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you? well, that would be a good idea for a story. And uh, 
I mean, I grew up on Marvel Comics and, and giant, you know, the giant man from the Avengers and everything. And uh, so I, I sort of liked the idea of sort of taking that sort of pulpy idea, but doing a more realistic take on it. And, and uh, so then I sort of built a story around that. Yeah, and that's the, one of the things. Before I read the book, I I, um, I sort of was under the this assumption that it was actually more of a biography of Robert uh, Wadlow. That's what I thought initially yeah. before I had read it at all. Yeah, yeah, it's funny because he's in there. He makes a little appearance. Right, right. We'll talk about him briefly, but, but yeah, and that's another thing too. I, I read his whole story. I read all, read all about him and got more details about you know problems. You know what's problematic about growing ten feet tall? <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine there's plenty. Well, yeah, and you certainly go into it in the book. Um, uh, you know that him dealing with with the issues of of being that large and and continuing to grow and and that. But um, well, the other thing I should mention is that you know it, it's called three story. It's sort of a play on words uh, that he's three stories tall, but. Also, it's actually three stories um, told from the perspective of the three women in his life, his mother, uh, his wife, and then his daughter. Um, what, you know, what made you kind of make the decision to tell the story from those perspectives as opposed to maybe his perspective or, or something else? Um, yeah, I guess when I, was, when I first approached the story, I, you know, my initial instinct was, yeah, you just, we're going to follow every moment of his life. And, uh, hear all of his thoughts and um, get into his head and, 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 and all that. And then, but then the more I thought about it, the more I thought, that seemed like kind of the easy way, but the easy way to tell the story or like the, what you kind of expect. Like when I pick up a book like that, I'm like, oh, well, that's what we'll get. We'll get his voice over, over everything. And, you know, everything he's thinking. Um, so I, I guess I, thinking that's what was, I would expect to see, I try to do, I try to do the opposite <laughs> and just try to, make it a little harder on myself as a writer and also just try to make it a little more interesting and, you know, and hopefully get, you know, three different views of this guy, um, three different perspectives. And then maybe you get, uh, some overlap where they agree, but then also, um, points where they, where they sort of don't. So you have, as a review, you sort of have to fill in the gaps and sort of figure out, you know, who is this guy, man? Uh, it's not all, it's not all on the page. You get, I like the idea of making me work for it a little bit and try to figure out who he, who he is, what he's about. Yeah, and it was, I mean, it, it, not that it was ch- ch- challenging to, to read, but it was a challenging read in some ways because um, you don't ever get to know this guy that much. I mean, you, you only get the perspectives of, of the people around him. We Rarely did you ever put in any of his actual uh, thoughts or emotions or feelings. I mean, from time to time, you sort of put that in there, but it really was told from their perspectives. And it was interesting because, I mean, for me, like thinking about uh, guys like, you know, Robert Wardlow, which has always sort of been a fascination for me as a kid. I, I always was really um, sort of obsessed with like the world, the Guinness Book of World Records and all that sort of stuff. And, and him yeah. being from Illinois was also interesting. And, uh, you don't, you know, we don't really know that much even about him um, as a person. He was real uh, beyond the celebrity of him. Was that something that right, you really right. sort of wanted to examine? You know, that this this guy, ex- you know, that people like this exist and and they become something other than you know maybe human or or uh, become so much more of a celebrity than than a person. 
Yeah, you know, I guess um, unconsciously, I probably sort of wanted to do something like that. I again, I to me, I I wanted the um, I guess I wanted to get uh, a couple things in the book that if I just sort of followed him directly, I wouldn't have gotten. And I I like the idea of having three different generations of of women and their you know what's the difference between those generations and how they react and what their lives are like. Um, and yeah, as a byproduct of that, then you don't, you know, the giant man does become, um, you're sort of a, a spectator in his life through these women. And just like in real life where you have this person that's bigger than life and you never know him. And you, all you do is you, you either read an article about him or you happen to run into him or you see him for a little bit, but you don't, you don't get the whole picture. So yeah, I, I guess that's part of it. I don't think, I don't think I went into the book thinking, I'm, "Here's going to be my commentary on celebrity and and what that's like." But it's certainly sort of a byproduct of that. Right. Well, going back to to uh, the uh, the three women, the the first story in the book um, is about his mother uh, and her um, her dealing with uh, the fact that uh, you know he was sort of. Um, not a, I don't want to say it, maybe an unwanted child, but she isn't necessarily um, thrilled with the idea of, of this child because um, her husband is in World War II and she loses him and she's left uh, with Craig um, and this issue of him, you know, growing abnormally. Um, and it seems like she sort of um, has regrets about it that, you know, she met Butchie, her husband, very quickly and and uh, and got pregnant, and then he went off to war, and now she's left with the with this with this baby with you know this abnormal growth. Um, wh- what was sort of the idea behind you know defining her character in that way, or or, or making her perspective of that? W- was there something in particular that sort of um, uh, inspired you for that, or was it just did the character just kind of come out that way? Yeah, you know. Um... Yeah, there's a lot of um, like personal family history and things I sort of drew on, and uh, my my grandmother, that's exactly what happened to her. She got married, she got pregnant. He went off to war, he got killed, um, and then her son was my dad. So I sort of drew inspiration from that as far as you know, what what would that be like? <laughs> and uh, and it it was it was hard, like in in real life, like. My grandmother, it wasn't easy. Sure. And uh, so I guess I sort of used that as the inspiration for that and, and uh, sort of projected myself a little bit to think, you know, what would that be like? And and then on top of it all, hey, your kid's going to grow three stories tall. Right, right. <laughs> How do you deal with that on top of all that other stuff? So, well, that's, so what it, I, that's one of yeah, the things. Yeah, that's I, all I'm just going to say. It, uh, it, it verged from reality after that. And uh, I think I... I uh, put her under a little more stress in the book than in real life. Right. Okay. Well, I mean, one of the things that, that really interested me so much about the book was the fact that I thought you, you made such interesting choices for these characters that it wasn't, um, it wasn't easy for them to be in his life. Uh, you know, them dealing with, with a lot of different, uh, their own issues, their own personal issues on top of, or maybe because of him. Um, and, and the whole time he's just sort of, there he just exists it's not something he can control or or uh or change he's you know he's just 
that's who he is and, and they have to deal with it and, and they don't necessarily deal with it really well. Um, uh, at least I don't, you know, I didn't feel like his mother dealt with it particularly well. I thought, you know, she had a very hard time dealing with it and, and, uh, and sort of projected her loss of her husband on him and, and that kind of thing. And, and please, yeah, correct, oh yeah, totally. correct me if I'm ever wrong in assuming anything that I, <laughs> that, that, this is all no, just no, that's all right. my, my, I, that's the funny thing. I think the grandma, I think the grandmother, you know, the, his mother, I think that is the trickiest character because she, uh, I don't think she is right and she doesn't react the way she should. And, uh, but then at the same time, I, she's going through all this stuff that I, I try to make her sympathetic, but at the same time, I just kind of wish she would, had been a little bit better. <laughs> so, right, right. To me, I, that was like the most interesting character for me because of, because of that, because I didn't, I didn't want her to be unlikable. I didn't want you to hate her. She wasn't abusive, but, uh, but then he kind of just wish she had been a little bit better. <laughs> right. No, absolutely, and I I do think she was actually, in a strange way, like more sympathetic than his wife, um, and we can get to that in a minute. But but it but I did kind of feel that way that I for some reason even though I thought she didn't handle things how you would want her to, she was more sympathetic for some reason. Um, but going back to 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 um, to his mother, uh, the one of the questions I had about it as I was reading it and. and and you had kind of um, said this in the beginning of our conversation that uh, you sort of want it to be a challenge. You want people to work for things a little bit, and and I th- I felt you did a really good job of that because there were there were things in here that it were sort of um, uh, you could interpret them in a lot of different ways, or you could look into things possibly. And and I found myself in the second read really doing that, you know, like like catching things that I didn't catch the first time around, and. And so there's a couple of things I wanted to ask you about, um, particularly with the mother, uh, the roses. Um, to me, it sort of symbolized, you know, how she felt about Craig. She had gotten these roses, and it was the last sort of memory from her husband, and um, it was something she didn't want. She didn't like roses, but now she's sort of right, stuck. Right. She's stuck with this memory of roses, and and it's the last thing of her husband. Um, which to me was a parallel to Craig. It was the same sort of thing. Is that uh, was that something you were trying to convey, or did you, did that just kind of come out through the story? Um, yeah, you know, I I did. I kind of I want I put that irony. I don't know. I don't know if that's irony. I I, I put a little bit of that in there just because. Yeah, it is. It's like here's this thing where uh, you know her husband's dead. <laughs> She's got these flowers. Yeah, it's it's definitely intentional <laughs> but um yeah i just again i'm just trying to make the most horrible sad story you could ever read so that's that's how i do it <laughs> just, we'll, we'll give her no we'll kill her husband we'll make her son a freak and then and then give her a bunch of flowers she hates <laughs> it. But, yeah that's that's pretty much true Maybe that's why she's sympathetic because you you completely made, made her so <laughs> yeah. her life so horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I made her life more horrible than anybody else's. <laughs> um, another another scene that was sort of interesting to me, and I wasn't sure w- what to pull from, it, but the um, and you done you you'd used this in in the a couple of places in the book was uh, when she had gone to the movies uh, the first time in the book, and she with uh, well, I think it was she was. 
I don't know if she was with Butchie or not, but they went and saw the Maltese Falcon. And she sort of is looking up at the screen at that last uh, scene with um, uh, Effie, or uh, is that the character's name? I can't remember. Uh, sort of being hauled away by the police. Uh, I thought that was yeah, really yeah. interesting because because I because I, I love that movie and yeah. the idea that you know she maybe was connecting with that character in some weird way, um, you know, with the loss of her dreams, um, and 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 that. I don't know. I mean, that's kind of what I pulled from. I wasn't sure if that was. Yeah, no, that's true. Like, to, I love the Maltese Falcon. So the whole movie, I think, sort of fits the. To me, it sort of fit in a way where, like, they're all trying to get this thing, and then it's it, a disappointment at the end. Right. It's like, there's nobody ends up with anything. <laughs> the um, so uh, again, yeah, one more thing to. They're just unmiserable things you can sort of relate to. <laughs> You know, just, all the characters sort of being disappointed. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, the more I talk about this, the more the worse I feel. I'm really feel really bad for it now. <laughs> well, you know, let me ask you: Was there ever a, a, a moment when you uh, you thought, well, maybe I should I should give Craig a, a happier ending? Was there ever? Yeah, you know, I I'll tell you when I was done with the book, I was I was kind of depressed, <laughs> and and I I went back through and I was like, I don't. I don't think the book is depressing. I think there's just parts of it that made me really sad, and uh, and I and then I sort of felt bad after having finished it <laughs> to to put this to inflict this book on people. But I but then I, I did um I reworked the ending a couple times, and I took out I had a whole different ending, and I just scrapped it. I had drawn it, I painted it. It was totally finished, and I and I half that parts of that off, and and then I I tried to make it more. Like sad all the way through, but then I tried to make a little glimmer of hope at the end with his daughter. Right, and and I, and I think you did. Maybe you think, yeah, that um, it was sort of uplifting, and it, she seemed like the only character that was sort of able to get past it, um, yeah, in some way. Uh, and and she was really actually a really interesting character to me. I guess we'll, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit to the daughter. And okay. for some reason, um, when I was reading that, that chapter of the book and, and, and her search for her father, uh, and maybe it was just because of the sort of Bigfoot-like picture in Vegas of, of Craig, but I started, yeah. think, I started thinking about um, Lisa Marie Presley. Yeah. And, uh, and, and just because I, I, I was – I'm a big Elvis fan and I always thought about her life and sort of, you know, he died when she was very young. She didn't really know him that well as a person, but his celebrity, his bigger than life. I mean, he was a giant that, um, that dominated her life, you know, and yeah. every aspect of it. Um, did you draw on her? I mean, I, I'm just, I don't know if that was, had anything to do with what you wrote, but for whatever reason, that's what I kind of, uh, I started thinking about her for some reason. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a little reference in there, like the Las Vegas to me. And I, I think in the back of my mind, I, I do think about that. It's interesting because there's two, you can take either either perspective. You can be, and the book sort of forces you to take the daughter, you know, the women's perspective. So it is, it's like, what is it like to be married to Elvis or to be Elvis's daughter? You know, by taking her last name, his last name, that pretty much changes your life forever. <laughs> right. You know, regardless of what you do. 
Um, so yeah, it, it is one of those things where, you know, you're literally living in the shadow of this guy if you barely knew. And, um, so that's part of it. Yeah, that's, that's part of it. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's we'll go back to the, uh, his wife. Um, and I'm sorry, I should have written down all their names because I, I, I can't remember the wife's name now off the top of my head. That's okay. Don't don't embarrass me by asking me what their names are. <laughs> okay, I won't. I remember Craig. <laughs> we'll just pretend we know. We know it's uh, the Joe. Uh, it was the Joe. Wife, the daughter. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, Joe. Yeah. Joe's her name. Is the is the wife. Yeah. Joe was you know that that chapter of the book, the the middle chapter, um, with his relationship with his wife, and we start to see uh, his celebrity and him going out and touring and doing doing different things and. Um, and how that affects his relationship with Joe. Uh, I found her to be the sort of, for whatever reason, the hardest character to understand. Um, cause at the beginning of it, it seemed like I, I wasn't sure how to take her, you know, like at the beginning she seemed like mm-hmm. she was sort of in it for the celebrity of it. She was attracted to him because he was this, you know, bigger than life figure but obviously there's love there and then as the relationship sort of starts to to uh, disintegrate um uh, it seems like she uh she was quick and maybe a little quick to to give up on it even though she i mean uh, maybe that's and then i guess that's hard to maybe hard to say because what do you do when your husband is <laughs> 25 feet tall or however tall you know he gets but right right um but I, I just, for whatever reason, I had the hardest time dealing with her as a character. Um, was there, uh, but at the same time, I thought she was really interesting and their relationship was really interesting and how she changed as a person over the, the course of, of the relationship was really interesting. What what was sort of your, your thought process with her and, and what were you trying to sort of, um, you know, get out in that in that chapter? Yeah, I guess um, she's the most interesting to me of, of them all because she she's the only one, she's the only character that um, through her own free will had a relationship with Craig. You know, the mother, you know, didn't have right. a choice. Right. And the daughter didn't have a choice. So she was the only one that sort of had her own free will um, interacting with him. And I think at the beginning she definitely was just attracted to this guy who's kind of famous or kind of you know, there's a he's getting all this attention, and, and so that's sort of reflecting off him and a little bit onto her. And I think she liked that, and and um, she was an artist, so she wanted to, um, or she ended up becoming an artist, so she sort of benefited from that in a way. But uh, yeah, I think her arc is is sort of a weird one to me because she does she starts out she's sort of initially attracted him for superficial reasons. Then loves him, and then he's thirty feet tall, and you know she can't—he can't hear her anymore. Right. So I, I think at that point, then it's like, well, she's, she definitely is torn. It's like I love this guy, but what he's never going to be smaller again. He'll never be able to hear me again. <laughs> and uh, so I think she does. She gets a little bit lonely, and um, yeah. And I don't know how much I want to actually say. I, I try to be vague about sort of. And that's fine. Yeah, relationship, because I just to leave some mystery there. <laughs> but, sure, sure. Like I have a definite. I definitely know. 
you know, everything she did. I, I took some bit, bits out of it just because I I wanted her to be a little bit more um, mysterious or have a little more privacy. <laughs> well, that's that's I don't yeah. That I don't. Weird. I, I certainly don't want to sit here and try and you know get you to uh, you know uh, analyze or, or or give up you know that that sort of um, you know mystery to it because I think that's the you know part of the charm of the work is that um, you know people can can interpret it in their own ways and i and and uh i definitely don't want you to to give that up and i and i don't i don't want to i don't want us to give away too much of the story either because there's some some interesting twists and and turns in it that I, you know uh that you know i don't want to uh for people that maybe haven't read it yet and will listen to this um i don't want them to be spoiled by any of it so um uh it is it is definitely i mean there, i did find it um at times challenging, you know, to, to my, um, thought process of, of just trying to understand these people and, and not challenging in a bad way at all, challenging in a good way. It made me, you know, think about this and, and think about what the, uh, what that life would be like both as Craig or, or someone, you know, close to him. And, and, uh, I thought you did a great job of, of giving us enough of him and giving us enough of those perspectives to, to bring up those questions and make you wonder, uh, but at the same time, leaving you know, leaving plenty for for interpretation and and letting you know the reader sort of figure out what they think on it themselves. So, um, I do want to talk to you about the the artwork because you know it's I thought a couple of the things that were just great about it. Um, one, uh, because in the beginning the book seems very uh, real; it's very grounded, um, and you use some some multimedia techniques. You know, you use some newspaper clippings and different things like that, that I felt really gave it, um, a sense that this is, or this could be a, uh, a biography or could be a, you know, a true story. Um, and as the story progresses, it gets, uh, a bit more fantastic. Uh, and, um, at the same time though, it, it I don't, I, it never left the ground in, in the sense that, um, it did, it became unbelievable. Uh, even in the end, uh, it seemed like, uh, that it, uh, it, it could have happened, um, that we, you know, like a story that could have happened, uh, that the government covered up or something like that. But, um, right, right. was it a real conscious decision on your part to, to do that in the beginning, to make sure that you really, um, set it in reality and, and, and gave it that feel? Yeah, I guess I, I just, um, I, I, I went into the whole book thinking, you know, what if, this could happen. What if this, you know, I had to, I had to give up the fact that, you know, nobody would be able to live past whatever, 10 feet tall. You, you just physically, your bones wouldn't hold up and, and you couldn't do it. But I, so I, with that one leap of faith, if you can, do, if you can take that one leap where it's like, well, you know, if you kept growing and you could live, and uh, I was like, well, you know, what would it really be like? So that when, when I wrote it, every aspect of his life, I was thinking, you know, how is he gonna? How is he gonna address himself? Is, mm-hmm. is he gonna be naked for this whole book? <laughs> <laughs> and and, uh, and then how distracting is that gonna be to draw? Uh, so I figured out a way where he'd be able to have clothes. But uh, yeah, just practical stuff like that was really interesting to me to sort of figure out, and and uh, that was where the kind of the fun part was. <laughs> like, where does he poop? <laughs> and how how is he gonna be fed? You know, there's a certain point where it's like, how much is he going to have to eat? Who's paying for that? Right. Um, yeah, so there's 
there's a lot of little stuff like that, and there's tons of little side stories. I did, I don't know if you saw the little Dark Horse, the MySpace Presents, uh, I did a couple of eight-page short stories about him. No, I haven't seen it. There's like little self-contained stories of the giant man. So those are just some little other little aspects. You know, I got like probably 20 or 30 more of those I could do where one of them's just about um, these guys who their job is transporting his poop. (laughs) 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 So uh, there's a lot of stuff like that. I I try to think about every aspect of it and and, uh, I do it as realistically as I could. And and then, um, yeah, so I, I did think about it a lot. Well, definitely. I mean, it definitely made for a lot of interesting parts of the of the story because it, you do start thinking about that as as he continues to grow and grow. It's like, how is this guy going to to survive? How does he do all these things? And and uh, I think throughout the whole whole book, even with um, you know the three women too, there were there were certain things you start asking yourself as a reader how they do things, how they uh, either cope with things or handle different situations, that kind of stuff. So. Um, no, I I found it fascinating, especially you know some of the some of the smaller things, just like when when he's being transported in a in the back of a truck, uh, you know, and you show it sort of um, you know X ray goggles sort of thing, and uh, where you can yeah, see, yeah. see the see the truck uh, or see him sitting in there, and and just different things like that, I I, I think really added to it, um, just the overall feel of it. Um, one of the oh, one of the things I did want to ask you is. Why Elmhurst College? Uh, that is a uh, oh yeah, that's easy. My parents went there. Oh okay. And, uh, uh, it's it's funny because I took this book. Is um strangely a lot of you know my family history. I just basically stole all of it and put it into the book. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my parents met there, and uh, the turtle race thing is something that my dad set up. Um, to sort of meet my mom. And no kidding. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of little stuff like that in there that I just, I just um, outright stole, <laughs> and then, <laughs> then hope they didn't mind. But, uh, no, my my parents read it. My dad sent me an email, and he's he's like, yeah, it's interesting how you took real things and then and then changed them around. He so he was okay with it. <laughs> that's good. It was just funny because I mean that's literally you know. 15 minutes from where I live is Elmhurst College, and it just seems so, oh, yeah. so strange. It's like, wow, why, why Elmhurst College? That's super funny. Yeah. Yeah, the, so the Gino's Pizza, I don't know. I guess it's still there because I think my parents yeah. still go up there and eat. Yeah, that's all. That's uh, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> Gino's Pizza is still there in Elmhurst College. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. And that's why, because you're, uh, you're in St. Louis, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And you, you grew up in St. Louis? Um, yeah, sort of. I was like between here and Kansas City. I lived here most of my life. Okay. But, uh, yeah, take a copy into Gino's Pizza next time. Maybe they'll give you a free pizza. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) I'll have to show somebody over there. Um, now most of this is, uh, most of your work is painted, right? I mean, most of the, the, uh, this book and and your other books are, uh, is it watercolor paints or are you using? Yeah, it is. I, all the line work. The, the solid line art is, is just India ink, and then uh, I watercolor over the top of it. Okay. Um, oh, you know what? I, I, one of the other questions I was going to ask you, as far as you know, doing a graphic novel, um, is it, was this something where you sort of laid it all out ahead of time? Was it something that you worked on, uh, you know, chapter by chapter, uh, or or how? You know, what was sort of the process um, on this story? 
Yeah, I'll see. Every book is kind of different. This, um, but all of them are sort of similar in that I usually just start out with like a two or three page um, synopsis of the of the whole thing. Like he's going to do this, and then he's going to do that, and then uh, there's like the major story beats. And then after I do that, I'll I'll go in and I'll just thumbnail the whole thing out. So I um I do I thumb, I'll thumbnail all 200 pages out. You know, just small like two by three sketches of each page and the action, what's going to happen, and then I'll make little notes decide if I know like what the, some of the dialogue is going to be here. Sometimes I just lay out, I'm like, here's where they're going to talk about this. And then I'll work the dialogue out later. And, um, so I'll do, go through, do the whole book like that. And then I'll, and then, uh, for this one, for Dark Horse, they, um, she wanted to see a script, full script. So I, I, uh, I typed up the whole script after that, you know, with all the dialogue and everything. And, um, and then I just start penciling it. And I pencil ink it, color it, and then uh, after I scan it in, then usually I go through the script again and sort of fix it. And um, usually what happens is I end up stripping out like 50% of the dialogue and um, most of the the words, I just end up stripping half that out. <laughs> but uh, but it, it's different because it, when I'm writing it, you know, I'm not, I'm not, the pictures aren't working as hard. And then by the time I'm done, I I look at the images and it's like, well, I don't have to, I don't have to say anything here because you can obviously tell he's, you know, throwing a tree. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I thought uh, the the, I mean, comparatively um, to a lot of books today, the the dialogue was relatively scar- uh, scarce. I mean, there is not. Uh, a ton of dialogue. There's some text pieces in there, you know, between the articles and that kind of stuff. But it seemed more, um, it seemed more realistic to me as, as someone would tell a story as opposed to, uh, you know, the, the, it seems like the mountain and mountain mountains of dialogue that we get in a lot of comics today where it's, you know, overwritten or every little detail is described as opposed to, you know, when you tell a story, you're, you're, you leave a lot out and you leave a lot to people's imagination. And that's sort of the feel I got from it was that, um, is that just a natural thing for you to, to do? Or was that, you know, through the editing process or, um, or was it more of a conscious sort of thing to try and, uh, go back to the, the leaving the mystery in, in the story for people? Yeah, I guess I, that's sort of my, um, boy, I guess it's just how I, I look at comics. I think that they, it's words and pictures together. And, and when they work together, it, it's almost more like a, Big long poem, you know, that doesn't rhyme, doesn't have a meter, it doesn't have a rhythm, <laughs> but right. there is rhythm to it. But um, again, it's more it's more akin to a poem than it is to like a novel, because um, you know, there is a lot of in between stuff that the reader has to fill in. You sort of insinuate things or allude to things, and um, and I do. I, and this dialogue, the pieces of the big pieces of dialogue in the book, um, I didn't think I don't. I guess I don't like comics where it's just heads talking back and forth to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did, I had sections of dialogue in there, but I tried to do it in a way where it made it a little more interesting or added something to it. Um, so I had like the the blueprints for his house and there's dialogue as they walk through the house. And and, uh, and so the dialogue is sort of key to the each part of the house and you sort of get this big conversation between them and uh, about, I don't know, was that the... There's a conversation where they're totally talking about sex. <laughs> right, right. But I just tried to do it in a way where it was 
with a little more artful and um, not not just talking heads. I did that a couple, and then uh, a couple other times. I think I used a lot of ads to do that with. No, I thought uh, that, but, uh, I really enjoyed that um, that two page spread you did of the blueprint of the of the tower and and them walking through it, and I thought it worked really well. Um, and was was an interesting <clears throat> an interesting choice uh, to do that with and uh, and that's sort of you know I mean that's one of the things that it seems like you do in this book is is you you did a lot of problem solving like interesting problem solving was that is that something that's fun for you of you know of, of and it seems that way because you've you've already mentioned some things that it seems like that's sort of the challenge you're looking for is figuring out a way to, to solve a, a certain part of the story in a, in a more of an interesting or challenging way. Yeah, I, I definitely go into a book. Everything I do, I I try to either artificially set up some sort of thing to make uh, make it more difficult <laughs> or or um I just don't I don't like to put something in there without thinking about it. <laughs> I am um, the the new book I'm doing this book for Vertigo, and uh, I had to come back and they wanted to add a page at the end that said the end at the end of the book and I was like well, I don't why it's the end of the book if I <laughs> tell people it's the end then, then I think I've written it <laughs> I don't think I've written it right um, but I figured out a way I figured out a way to do the end page there where it makes the editor happy and uh, it says the end but it does, it's going to do it in a crazy way that that um that hasn't been done before. <laughs> so so I, I, and now I'm kind of excited about it. I'm really happy to have a book that says the end at the end because um, nobody's done it like that, but I'll leave that. That's going to be a surprise. But yeah, I I, uh, I tend to go into projects and think, well, I've only seen it done this way and why is it done that way and let's see if I can do it some way that's extra hard and takes me twice as long. <laughs> um, <laughs> how long so did I, I that? I was I was gonna say how long did this book Sorry. take you to do uh, start to finish? Do you know about? Um, I'm, yeah, I, I would say not including the initial concept. I, I have no idea how long that took me, but but um, you know, like the two or three page pitch that I put together. But from like September to February is is about how long it took. How okay. many months is that? <laughs> uh, five or six months, maybe about five months. Yeah, five months. Yeah, so it took me about that long. Okay, not including like the initial plot outline. And was uh, the decision to have it um, published through Dark Horse was that something? Did you go and pitch to them, or did they come to you asking for a book, or or was it just a, a situation that happened to work out? Yeah, no, I, I was. Um, I I knew um, an editor there, and uh, and I pitched it to them. Just because I've I I've been doing a bunch of books with Top Shelf and I love Top Shelf and I'm doing a couple more with them still, but I thought with Dark Horse I can I wanted to try to reach I felt like I was reaching everybody that reads Top Shelf books I'm reaching them already, mm-hmm. um, so with Dark Horse I was like well they tend to get they tend to pull in a little more mainstream reader and um, I don't think my books are indie books everybody says they're indie books and maybe they are I. I don't look at them that way. <laughs> right. I mean, like, there, it's, it's tons of spies, and there's a big giant man. And, uh, <laughs> um, so I don't, th- I don't look at them as indie books. But, but I, so I thought with Dark Horse, you know, I get people like uh, my brother, big comic fan. Um, but uh, Dark Horse is usually about as indie as he gets. And so I thought, well, if I can pull in more people like that, um, I, 
think that would be beneficial. <laughs> no, absolutely. And and you're you know you're right. I I wouldn't. I mean, I don't know what you say. What you called? What is indie? I don't know. I mean, when I think yeah, indie I books, it's more sort of I don't know autobiographical kind of stuff or slice of life. I but it's so hard to say at this point. I mean, there's you know so many different types of independent comics. Um, but this is a story. I think you know. I mean, like like you said, it's 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 got so many elements of fantasy and 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 different uh, fantastic sort of things in it that. Uh, yeah, I, I would uh, I would hope that a larger audience would grab onto it and, and appreciate it because it's a really wonderful read and and uh, and I really enjoyed it. But um, uh, going back to the Top Shelf, uh, you, you said you, you're going to have a couple more books coming out uh, from them um, in the future. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm uh, I am um, I'm under contract with them to do two more books. So I'm doing two um, follow-ups to Super Spy, which okay. is going to be Spy is going to be a trilogy. So the second book's Supernatural, which I'm writing now, and um, the third book's going to be Supercomputer. So Supernatural is going to be a, like all ghosts, and then uh, Supercomputer is going to be sci-fi. Okay. So, well, I have to admit to you, of, I haven't I haven't yeah. read Super Spy yet. This is your first. This is the first book of yours that I've read. So I apologize, but I I'm going to rectify that. I will uh, I will go get Super Spy definitely. No, that's cool. See, that proves my dark horse. <laughs> There, there you go. I'm a perfect example. Yep. <laughs> um, Chris, Chris over at Top Shelf, he, he's a great publisher, isn't he? Though I mean, he's. Uh, oh yeah. He's totally. just. Like, Everyone says he's the nicest guy in comics, and he totally is. Yeah, he he really. Yeah, and he, they're awesome. He loves what he's doing. But uh, let's talk a little bit about if you can. I don't know what you can say yet, uh, but like you mentioned, you have a, a book coming out from Vertigo called uh, Revolver. Correct. That's the. the yeah. Movie? Yeah, that's right. And that's a graphic novel. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a two hundred page graphic novel. Can you tell us anything about it at all, or or is that still? Yeah, yeah, no, no. They, I can, I'm pretty sure I can blab about it now. So, but uh, yeah, it's 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 uh this guy who wakes up one day, um, goes to work, and then the world sort of ends, and there's like terrorist attacks and a virus, and you know, like a dirty bomb. All this stuff happens, uh, natural disasters. Pretty much wrecks the whole world, and uh, so he decides to leave the office <laughs> for his day job, and he sort of has to survive, and and uh, sort of works with his former boss, and they sort of try to figure out what to do, and then uh, so then he goes to bed that night. He wakes up the next morning, and um, everything's back to normal. And, uh, nobody remembers anything happening. Everything's the way it was. He's got his horrible, boring job. Um, so he goes in there and he's like, what in the world's going on? And so, uh, he suffers through that, the regular day. And then he goes home, goes to bed, wakes up the next day and it picks up where it left off. So he's, the world's wrecked again. So the whole book flips back and forth, you know, every day as he lives one day in this, in the end of the world, one day in his normal job. Ah, that sounds cool. He sort of has to figure out what to do. And at the end he sort of figures... Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to blow the surprise. There's a surprise. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so, don't, yeah, don't spoil but, it. <laughs> now I want to read it. Cool. There's, there's a lot of cool end of the world stuff. There's like missiles and uh, guns. <laughs> it's, it's like probably the most action packed 200 pages I've ever I've ever drawn. So. Um, and when is that? When does that come out? That's coming out in uh, July, I think, right before oh, San okay. Diego. 
Very cool. That sounds awesome. I, I, I can't wait to see it. I'll, I'll catch up with the super spy stuff, uh, before that. Yeah, um, cool. uh, Oh, you know what I was, you had mentioned something earlier. You were talking about, uh, poetry and, 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 and I have to agree with you. It's funny. I was actually thinking about it, uh, especially the first chapter, uh, with the mother, how much, um, her dialogue did sound like poetry. And I was wondering, are you a, a, a fan of poetry? Um, no, 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 I'll say no. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, Here's the thing: is I like the idea of poetry, and uh, and I, uh, but yeah, I don't write it. I used to when I was in college. I took poetry classes, but uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of it. Um, I like I like prose. I like fiction, I like novels, short stories. I don't even know that I really like short stories, but, uh, <laughs> like novels. So, so there you go. But, uh, but I do as I'm writing comics. So I, there definitely is an element to that where. Uh, but I think the images make it better than poetry for me. Right, right, sure. No, I was just once again. It was sort of like one of those things where I'm trying to, and and it probably didn't make any sense. But for some reason, I started thinking about. Um, and I'm not a a big poetry fan at all. I, I've read a little bit yeah, of poetry, yeah. but for some reason, I started to think about a, um, a Sylvia Plath poem called uh, "Metaphors" when she's talking, and it and the I think. Uh, the sort of general um, thought on that poem is is it's about her being pregnant and not uh, not enjoying it, and and that's there's some lines in it that for whatever reason that that first chapter with the mother and and uh, and the baby it, it had me thinking about that poem, which is really weird because most of the time I don't ever think about poetry, but uh, yeah. yeah. And now you've lost every one of our listeners. Exactly. Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, one last question uh, before I let you go. And thanks again for, for spending a, a Friday evening away from video games with me. Um, <laughs> uh, are you reading anything good lately? I, uh, you know, I've been reading a lot of Kurt Vonnegut. I, um, <laughs> I read Slaughterhouse-Five years ago. And then a friend of mine, I have a friend that's, he's got probably the best unpublished novel I've read. And, uh, and uh, it kind of reminded me of Vonnegut, so I read his book. That's all I've got. So I started reading Vonnegut to sort of fill that need I had to read sort of funny, meaningful fiction. And uh, what I'm reading, uh, Breakfast of Champions now, and I just finished Siren of the Titan. So wow, but, uh, yeah, it's good, fun. Good, good. And, but, uh, and, yeah. Oh, did you mean comics? I'm I trying did, to read, think about comics. <laughs> I did. I did mean comics, but that's all right. I, I, uh, I. I read novels too, so. Uh, but now we've really lost all of our listeners because I don't. You know, yeah, no, no. Let me go back. I hate novels. I hate poetry. I only like comics. <laughs> only comic books. Are you reading any comics at all? Any anything? Uh... Yeah, I'm reading. Here, I'll look at. I got a stack of them by my bed. I got. Uh, I'm reading Pluto, the manga. Oh God, that's good. That. I I just finished the second uh, volume of that. Man, is that a fantastic read. Yeah, I really like it. I'm reading that, like, and I'm going back and reading the original Astro Boy story it's based on, but I'm reading them sort of side by side, so just to compare, you know. Uh, how is that? I haven't read the Astro Boy. I'm, I'm kind of interested in the movie, but how? Kind of. The Astro Boy, the comics? Yeah. They're okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, the, I like Tezuka. I like his other stuff, like those bigger, those big fat books they have. Uh, I don't remember the titles. Um, Ode to... Ikajiro or something. Yeah, I like those. Those answer boy to me is more like just like one robot story after another, and uh, 
they're fun, but I, I can read a couple and I, I get it. Right, right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I'm reading Pluto. I'm reading, uh, I just finished all the Wednesday comics. I thought those were awesome. Very cool, and, uh, yeah. I, I, uh, I still have to finish a couple, the last couple I haven't gotten to them. Um, but those, yeah, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, oh, like yeah, you're doing time. another thing. Uh, um, a Black Widow story, right? In, oh, in yeah, Strange Tales. Tales. That came out last week, I guess. Did it? Week and a week or two ago. Yeah, yeah, Strange Tales number two. That came out. Yeah, that was super fun. That's right up your alley. That was, you know, uh, a little espionage. And... It really was. I, I was telling some guy at the convention that he was looking at the pages, and uh, I was like, that panel is probably the most fun I've had doing comics in my whole life. And it was... <laughs> The panel where the Hulk is jumping and then he's slamming into the ground. And uh, I, I swear I was inking that. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe I do this for a living. And <laughs> it's like two o'clock in the afternoon. I'm inking the Hulk and watching whatever cartoon <laughs> or something. I was like, is this, is this real? <laughs> if you told me I'd be doing this as an adult, I would not have believed you. But yeah, that's some of the most fun I've had doing comics ever. That's cool. Any, any, uh, Future plans on on more mainstream stuff at all, or, or are you sticking to the graphic novels and? Yeah, you know, I have uh, I got a couple Black Widow long form projects that I just uh, I haven't had time to show them to the editor. <laughs> I'm too busy, but uh, yeah, I want to. It's just a matter of getting to it on my stack to do. So, what is the fascination with spies? Where did that come from? Um, I I have no idea. I know. When I was a kid, I grew up reading all the James Bond or watching all the James Bond movies, and I did read all the novels after that. And uh, so I loved the sort of the armchair armchair travel, uh-huh. like all those Bond movies, and then the books especially were just like basically travel books with, some, with a bunch of spy stuff in it. Right, right. But, um, so I grew up on those, and and uh, but then as I got older, I was like, I you know what, I I want to do the perfect spy book that has everything I love in it, which is gadgets and and uh world war ii which i love and, sure. and i just tried to do this book that would have everything i liked in it yeah those bond, I, I i picked up a couple of the um the re-released uh bond films on blu-ray and yeah yeah man you know that uh that presentation of those films is just fantastic it's like watching a new movie because it really was just the scenery and the landscapes and the, and the sh- you know shots that they got in those uh, awesome all the you know traveling around the world and and all the the different locations that they shot those movies in and you see them on Blu-ray and it's just awesome. It's like uh, that that world doesn't exist anymore. But uh, yeah, totally. Especially like the Connery ones in the '60s, where yeah, you know, the cars and the everything is just the clothes and. It's almost it's as close to being there as you're gonna get. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really good. Well, man, I'm gonna let you go. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, and and the book was great. I I hope it's doing really well for you. I hope that uh, that you know we can get some more people to to pick it up after listening to this. Uh, I I look forward to your future work, and you you definitely have a fan uh, now after after I read this because uh, I, I really really did enjoy it, and and, uh, and thank you again. Awesome, man. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. All right, man. Well, you have a good evening, and uh, and we'll talk again sometime. All right, sounds good. Stay in touch. All right, Matt. Thank right. you.
Well, that was Matt Kent. I want to thank him again for, for spending time with us. And that was Around Comics Presents Three Story Man, The Secret History of the Giant Man. Or I should say Three Story, The Secret History of the Giant Man. Uh, it was a really, really interesting read. I really enjoyed it. I am definitely a Matt Kent fan now after reading this. And I am going to go back and get his super spy stuff and look forward to uh, to his future works. It was uh, really something that um, I was able to kind of pour over, and I read it a couple of times and and uh, even saw stuff in it the second time around that I didn't get from it the first time around. It was, it was very much like a, uh, just a good novel. I mean, uh, you know, I don't mean to say that in any sort of disparaging way towards graphic novels, but it just has that sort of, that, I don't know, classic feel to it. it everything he does, and, and that was... One thing I forgot to bring up to him, uh, he is a, a, a designer. Uh, he was a designer before he was a comic book creator. And the, the book design itself uh, for the three story is really interesting. It's a hardcover. And on the cover, if you haven't seen it, uh, it's basically a inside interior of a, a house with a window. And the window is die cut out. And, and, and you see through it, you see the interior page. And it's, and it's Craig's eye looking in at the window. And then when you open the book, uh, the window is now in his head and he's looking off in the, you know, in interior of the book. Um, it's really a, a, a sharp design. It's, it's, um, overall just the whole, the whole package of the book is beautiful. And, and, you know, if you haven't seen Matt's work before, his, his painted style is, is very interesting. And, uh, um, I, I really like it and really enjoyed three story a lot. So, uh, hopefully the, if you haven't read it by now, this will help you make the decision to go pick it up and, and, and give it a chance. Uh, it's definitely, uh, a good comics and, and you're missing out, uh, if you think that it's some sort of like indie, you know, uh, book or something that you wouldn't be interested in. It, it's, it's definitely a story that I think anyone could be interested in, uh, regardless of, of, you know, their taste in, uh, in comics, but that's it. That is the uh, first Around Comics Presents. Thank you for listening. Uh, hopefully I'll get more of these out. Um, if, uh, if you happen to be a comic book creator out there that has a graphic novel or a trade that uh, you think I might like and you would like to join me on the show, feel free to send me an email, uh, sal, S-A-L, at aroundcomics.com, and maybe we can uh, get that together. Otherwise, if you're a listener and you have questions or comments or have something you want to... Uh, chime in about on the show please feel free to email me at the same email and and uh, we'll go from there but thanks again everyone uh i'm i'm glad to be back for a little bit or at least part of around comics still i'm i'm uh, i'm not gone completely from it and i hope you enjoyed uh this first episode of around comics presents King of Giant Land. Ho, ho! Come along and we'll have some fun. Bye, ho! Party time in Giant Land. Ho, ho! I'm a friend, come along, come along. Ho, bum! There'll be fun for everyone. Ho, ho! In the land of Giant Man. Let her get fun for the sun goes down. John Lance.
Let you all to come. Ho, ho. Everybody will be there. I ho. We will dance the giant way. Ah, ha. You can dance in double time. <laughs> 